Good morning, Saints. Good morning, you guys. Is that the same as holy people? What's that? Is that the same as holy people? What, saints? Yep. Yep. Holy people, saints. Ones, ones who are set apart and joined to another one from another world. That's actually the, the definition of, of holy is other, not of this world. And so when Jesus walked around as the holy one, it was because he was really from another place and was in that other place as he walked in this place. And that's why he could walk and talk and eat and drink with anybody in this place because he was really from another place and not affect his holiness because he was really always other. And that's what you and I are. <laughs> We've been joined to him who is other and therefore doesn't matter where you go on this planet geographically, it doesn't change your otherness. Isn't that awesome? Yes. So cool. That's why he said the day is coming when men will not worship in this mountain or that mountain. That mountain's not going to be holy or that mountain's not going to be more holy than this mountain because true holiness is coming. True otherness is coming and the spirit is coming. That the people that the Father seek to worship him are not those who think they're holy because they're in a piece of land on a planet. But they see that they're holy because they're actually in him, in the spirit. For the Father seeketh such to worship him, those who are in him. Because the spirit and truth, he desires us to experience the truth being the reality and not shadows of the holy. As the prophet said, the day will come when even the pots and the pans in your kitchen will be called holy. Because you will be there cooking a cake. You, the other, is in the kitchen. The prophet said, not just, not just the utensils in the temple, but you in the kitchen cooking a cake. The prophet said, one day, not just the utensils in the temple will be called holy, but when you're cooking a cake in your kitchen, even the pots and pans in your kitchen will be called holy. Mm-hmm. A new holiness is coming, a, a holiness that is not of this world. Isn't that awesome? awesome. <sighs> I love it. And we, and we live in that otherness. And when we worship and we sing, in a few minutes we're going to go and, and gather together and worship and sing. And uh, we're, just, we're not singing trying to bring the holy down. We're not trying to, to uh, create a holiness by our words and singing. But we are acknowledging that He has made us holy. And that we rest seated with Him in heavenly places so that we actually speak from that other world into this world. We, we sing from home. We're not singing to get home. We sing from home. We sing from Him. We are the bride clothed in His glory coming down, having the glory of God, not trying to get up. We are seated with Him in heavenly places. We rest in this reality. And so when we speak... That's why it's powerful. The words are powerful because when you speak, your, your spirit is joined to the Lord's spirit. He who is joined to the Lord's spirit is one spirit. So you are actually speaking from heaven, singing from heaven. Isn't that awesome? It's so cool. And then it just, then you, you kind of get lost in it, you know, because it's just like, you know what's really cool? You can try this this morning when you worship. You can, you can have a, a moment where you're more conscious of your natural surroundings, right? But allow the new creation to sing. 
you can you can you can rest and remember what is forgetting that which is past that which is anything that would distract forgetting that which is past this one thing I do Paul said I forget that which is past but I remember what is present I remember the reality and watch what happens try this when you worship this morning and say Lord I I want I want my real person to sing I want the real me to sing I want the real me to sing close your eyes if necessary and just watch what happens you know what will happen? One of the things that will happen is you'll sense a, a great voice. Sometimes you have an incredible voice will come out of you like, how did I sing that? It's spiritual. And it's powerful. Sometimes the worship uh, will kind of be dragging, you know, like this, we're singing. And I think there's so many distractions and people are worried about, you know, this, what happened this week or whatever. And there's a lot of... And then when you break through, you can sense that not a breaking through to get to God, but a breaking through in terms of awareness of what is. And then all of a sudden people, and, and you'll just start worshiping and singing, and the people right in front of you will suddenly put their hands up. Have you noticed that? It reverberates into their spirit. You're singing from heaven. It'll touch them. They might be sitting there right in front of you. I've seen this so many times. People sit, sitting right in front of you, and they'll be like, kind of like distracted. And, and then the person behind them just remembers and breaks through. And the spirit and their voice as they worship reverberates, and then all their hands go up in front of them. Isn't that awesome? It's because it's touching their spirit, reminding them of the truth of who they are in Christ. It's not just an exercise of just singing a song, but it's, just, it's powerful. When the other comes in the room in a manifest way, you cannot help but be affected in a joyful way. So cool. Awesome. And I love that term other because that really summarizes who God is. That's why that's the term the angels use. Holy, holy, holy. And I've heard preachers say that, uh, yeah, God is, God is love but he's also holy, as if love is somehow on the other side of holiness. You know, like, yeah, God is love, but he's also holy. Like, what is that? Paul says, I pray that you might be filled with his love, that you might be established in holiness. Wow. Must be the same thing. Holy just means he's other. It's, a, it's an all-encompassing term that he is other. He is not like man in love. He's not like man in righteousness. He's not like man in power. He's not like man in humility. He's not like man in any way. He's other, other, other. It's the all-encompassing term. It's a holy love. It's an other love. It's a holy righteousness. It's an other righteousness. See? It's so cool. And that's what we are. That's all the angels. Yes, that's all they sing. Yes, other, 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 holy, holy, holy. So that we're just drawn into that and we can just say, God. And this is what's cool about it is that we don't sing it as if he's far, far away. But the other, other, otherness, he has made Russ that way. He's made us that way. Isn't that cool? Oh, cool. Let's pray. 
Lord, we just thank you so much for the otherness of who you are. Lord, thank you for your love for us. Lord, I pray that we would keep ourselves in your love by remembering your love because your love is always toward us. I pray this morning, Lord, that we would hear your voice, that we'd be encouraged this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your otherness. Thank you that we sing from heaven. We don't sing to try to get to heaven. Give us the true food, the true drink. Help us see, Lord. For you are the bread that has come down from heaven, that if anyone eat of this bread, he would live forever. Remember me. This is my body, which is broken for you. This is my blood, which is shed for you for the complete forgiveness of all sins. Do this remembrance of me. Because behind this work is the great love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. And he who spared not his only son, will he not freely give him all things? Lord, you spared not your only son. Help us see that you will freely Give us all that we need. All that we need. And more. For you have lavished upon us your grace. You have lavished upon us your grace in Christ Jesus. And he who has received this abundant grace. And the gift of righteousness. Shall reign in life. By one Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for making us other. Thank you for making even the pots and pans in our house holy. Thank you that we worship in spirit and in truth. We worship in another realm and in the reality. We forget that which is past and we remember what is present, what is real what is now. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Help us worship together as we gather in the main meeting, Lord. Help us sing from the Spirit. Help us sing as one who is other. Let the new man sing today. 
Let the new man praise and worship. Let the new man adore today. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Spirit and truth. In that other realm, resting in the reality which the Son has accomplished. Yes. And the Son will be glad. And the Son will rejoice. For you have anointed his head above his brothers with the oil of gladness in the presence of the Father dancing before God exalting his greatness and his goodness release us Lord release us to be who we are in you sons and daughters of God You are the good shepherd leading us beside still waters, green pastures. You are the door where we can go in and out and find pasture. Thank you, Lord. The kingdom has come. Another world has come. In the Spirit, for in the Spirit there is your righteousness and your peace and your joy. This is the true kingdom within, soon to be manifested, that all eyes may see, but now here, within, within us. For the kingdom of heaven does not come like men think it shall be within you, within. Thank you, Lord. Amen. <coughs> Let me just share a few thoughts this morning about um, about the two trees in the garden and about uh, about true righteousness because it's one of the key things to remember in our walk with God. Um, Galatians says that if there had been a law that could have given life, righteousness would have been by the law. Pretty awesome statement. In other words, if law could have given life, then God would have said righteousness was, would be by the law. But there's no law that could give life. The scripture says that he who has received the abundant grace and the gift of righteousness 
shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. This phrase life right there is not talking about reigning in your day-to-day life when you go to work and so forth. It's talking about reigning in his life, in eternal life, while on earth. It's talking about the, the presence of God, life. He who has received this abundant grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. Reign in this life. So the release or the reigning of this life in our day-to-day life is the key element is this gift of righteousness. It comes to us through an abundance of grace. He who has received this abundant grace from God and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. So we need never, we, we should never forget this thing about righteousness. And that is that we, every one of us in this room, every believer on the planet lives with the gift of righteousness. Awesome. Awesome truth. We live with the gift of righteousness. In the beginning, Eve was seduced by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And she saw three things about that tree that seduced her to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And remember, saints, we've said this before, but the, the sin in the Garden of Eden was not that they would be like God. You know, we've heard preachers preach about how, oh, that was the big sin. They wanted to be like God. They wanted to be gods. And that's not the sin because God wanted them to be like him. He made them in his image. Paul said, I mean, David said, I will rejoice when I awake in thy likeness, O Lord. And we're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. So God is into you becoming and me becoming like him. Not God, of course. He will always be God and we will be his sons and daughters. But he wants us to be like him. The big sin in the Garden of Eden was not that they were trying to be like God. The big sin is that the enemy tempted them to try to be like God without God. That's the sin. He basically said, you don't have to, you don't need him, is what he was saying. If you ate of this tree, you would know what he knows, and you could do what he does. You could be like him without him. You don't need him. If you eat of this tree, if you had the knowledge of right and wrong like he has, the knowledge of good and evil, you would learn this stuff and you, would, you could do this. You don't have to have him. So the big sin in the garden was not to be like him. The big sin in the garden was to tempt them to be like him without him, without his help, without his strength, which is impossible because man is made in such a way that we, are, we can only express God if God is living through us. But that was the deception. Well, she saw, she saw three things about this tree that I think are really uh, revealing and are instructive to us. Let's look at that real quick in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it says, 
When the woman saw that the tree, this was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that the serpent was seducing her to, to eat from. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, look at the three things. And that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. See, I I believe this is a picture. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I believe, is mirrored. God brought that tree back for men to look at through the law. The law is actually the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God brought the law back so man would, would, would see that eating of that tree is death and not life. The scripture says that through the law is the knowledge of sin. Paul says through the law is the knowledge of sin. But through the law is also the knowledge of good. So through the law is the knowledge of good and evil. So the law is all about the knowledge of right and wrong. And so God, when he added that covenant hundreds of years after he had a relationship with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he added that covenant of law, he was doing it to replay the whole scene again in the garden. He was doing it to replay the whole scene to show them that that tree is death, cannot bring life. For had there been a law that could have given life, righteousness would have been by the law. But God is saying, this cannot give you life. Just like I said in the beginning, if you eat of this tree, you shall die. And so he was replaying the whole scene. And the law would prepare the people. This law would bring the tree back so that the tree of life would come after the law in the fulfillment of time, the Messiah, the life, the true life, so that we would see the contrast. He was replaying the whole scene again. In the, in the garden. That's why uh, Paul said strange things in his letters like the law was given that sin might increase. What? Because the law was given that sin might increase, that transgressions might increase. Paul said the law is the very strength of sin. So when you see people deceived in their thinking and they think that the answer to righteousness is keeping law, they're still stuck in the same deception from the garden. They still think they can get life out of law as opposed to seeing the revelation of Christ and the gift of righteousness. So in, so in essence, I see the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, even though it's mirrored in the law, um, even though it's mirrored in the law, it is also a picture, I believe, of self-righteousness. Which you can see that because the law basically says, as the enemy said, if you just knew right from wrong and you did these things yourself, you could be like him. You could be righteous like him. And I'll tell you the key to all blessing, the key to all blessing. This is so cool. It's in Galatians. There only, there's only a blessing and there's a curse. There's a blessing and there's a curse. The blessing comes if you're righteous. The curse comes if you're unrighteous. That's why the law brings a curse, because you can't be righteous under the law. But grace brings 
righteousness and therefore the blessing. Abraham believed and therefore God counted his righteousness. Therefore he received the blessing. You, can also, you too can receive the blessing of Abraham because of the gift of righteousness. Isn't that awesome? awesome. You are, like we said in the beginning, you are holy 24-7 because of what God did. You are holy. You are in him and he is in you. You are other. The righteousness of God is your, your treasure. This gift, this, this um, insurmountable, what's the word? Incredible, unsearchable gift. Indescribable, Paul says. This indescribable gift. So that no matter what you and I are going through in life, you can always remember, God, thank you so much that you're not relating to me based on my performance, but you're relating, relating to me based on the gift of righteousness and the favor of God and you see it in your life the favor of God and the blessing of God is constantly overtaking you and coming to you and it's not because you're, you're being a good boy or a good girl it's not because you're doing everything right isn't that cool yes. this is the covenant this is the covenant he who has received this abundant grace meaning undeserved and the gift not earned gift of righteousness reigns in this life and it's there 24-7 regardless of our performance and that's the that's the whole point of the new covenant in this new covenant I remember their sins no more in this new covenant I keep a record of their sins no more something awesome has come something new has come something unbelievable so unbelievable that if a man should describe it to the Jew he won't believe it and that's what we have in him so that no matter what is happening. This levels the enemy and his strategies. It levels the accusation. Know this, the Spirit of God has come to convince the believer that he is righteous, Jesus said, and to convince you that the prince of this world who accuses you has been judged by God. He has no authority to judge you. He's been judged by God. It's awesome. Okay, so this tree of the knowledge of good and evil is really about self-righteousness because it's about learning what to do so I can self, myself and my strength be righteous enough. And that's the trick of the enemy. And so she saw three things. And I think these are three clues about self-righteousness. This is, this is the seduction of self-righteousness. She saw three things in this tree. And, and the seduction of self-righteousness is... And uh, us knowing these things help helps us how does this help us well, it helps us to be aware of the strategies of the enemy because so we don't get in the flesh and be uh you know lured by the flesh or the world or the enemy but it also helps us to see to minister to other people and help them see what's happening in their lives so they can get free from this way of thinking from this tree to be released to the tree of life she saw three things she first saw that it was good for food she saw th it's described three ways, this tree. It's good. It's uh, desirable. Wait, the second one was delight. Yeah, it was, it, was a, it, was a, it was good, it was a delight, and it was desirable. She said, it's good for food. It's a delight to the eyes. It looks good. And it's desirable, something you would want to make you wise. And you think about self-righteousness. That's... that's that's the lure of self-righteousness, I believe. First of all, you, you feel like doing will feed me. 
It's good for food. Um, doing will feed me. And that's a deception. Jesus said he was the true bread. Not us doing things for God. People think that, hey, if I can just serve God, I want to serve God. I want to, I want to be a missionary. I want to go to Africa. I want to do that. I want, I, I want to do this. I want to do that. They, there's a deception in there that says that'll feed me. That'll feed my sense of identity and who I am if I can do something for God, do a, a great work for God. It's a deception. It's not food. It's not food for the Spirit. The true food for the Spirit is Christ Himself. It's revelation of Christ Himself. It's, it's being so lost in Him and so, uh, in, so, so resting in Him that you cannot but help do, but the doing is Him doing it through you. And so that your food is actually Himself and not the doing. So you have this activity that you hear in a lot of religious circles, you know, activity, like Russ used to say, but, you know, it's not activity, it's, what did you say? Act, it, it's, yeah, it's life, it's not activity. And you hear that all the time, and, you know, you hear it on radio and TV, so much, you know, a lot of doing, 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 but, you know, if you really step back and listen to what lots being taught and said, it's like, where is Jesus in all this? I mean, it's almost like Jesus is like an afterthought, instead of, instead of the central thought. So number one, self-righteousness, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a false sense of, of nourishment that comes from self-righteousness. There's a false sense of nourishment to your soul that I'm, I'm doing, I feel good about what I'm doing. Well, there is a feeling good about what you're doing when it's Him doing it through you. And there's a whole different feel to it. There's a, there's, a, there's a nourishment to your spirit. There's a rest in it. There's a focus on Jesus in it. There's a dependency on Jesus in it. There's a love in it. There's a peace. There's a rest in it. All those things. You know when you're eating of the true bread and from that true bread finding nourishment because it is good food as opposed to it just feels good. I'm doing this for God. I'm working hard and I'm trying to do this. And you know, I think God likes me more today because, than yesterday because I did this for him today. And, and he's really upset when I don't do these things. But he really loves me. When I, that's not true nourishment. It's a deception. The second thing that she saw was it was a delight to the eyes. And self-righteousness is all about appearances. Appearances. How it looks. How it looks. Jesus said the Pharisees love to pray in the, in the corners of the streets so they can be seen of men. The Pharisees, the self-righteous, love to fast and be seen to be fasting before men. He said, when you fast, don't walk around all grumpy so everybody knows you're fasting, but anoint yourself and laugh and have you know, fun and enjoy your life. Fast unto God, not into men. You know, that's what he was, because the Pharisees are all about what it looked like. What people say about me, what I look in front of people, that's, a, that's the self-righteous deception. The tree focuses on appearances, whereas Paul says, don't look at that which is seen, but look at that which is unseen. Peter says to the women, don't focus on clothing yourself with jewels, but clothe yourself, your inner man, with the inner man of peace and serenity. Be clothed with that reality in Christ. The unseen is more important than the seen. 
And that's why the, the Spirit leads us more and more into the unseen. It's a place of, of rest as opposed to worrying about what everybody else is thinking about us. And we all struggle with that. Everybody struggles. That's just flesh. We all have the flesh. We all struggle with, you know, in the flesh, wanting to do in order to find nourishment. We all struggle in the flesh with appearances as opposed to resting in the unseen reality. But that's the deception of that tree. That's what draws people to that self-righteous way of living. And the third thing it says is that she found the tree to be desirable to make one wise. This is a biggie. This is a biggie. Because a lot of preachers come out of seminaries and they want to be known as wise. So they come across like that. They, not everybody, but there is, a, there is a trap in this tree to want to be known as wise among other people. Desirable to be wise. Wise for yourself to, to know things, but also wise that others might think you're wise. As opposed to the way of Christ or the tree of life. Paul says, Christ himself is my wisdom. In other words, it's so simple that the wise of this world would say, that's too simplistic. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Christ is my wisdom. He has given me the gift of righteousness. What you're trying to find over there, you'll never find. I have it. What you're trying to work for over there, I have it. What you yearn for, I'm enjoying it. In Him, that's why it's the wisdom of God and the power of God. Christ, the wisdom of God and the power of God. And religion doesn't see it. Religion fights it. And religion loves that tree. It's drawn to the tree. It's drawn to how it nourishes its desire to do. It's drawn to the appearances so they can look good to men. It's drawn to, for the pride and ego to be considered wise. If a man become wise, the scripture says, let him become a child first. For not many wise, not many noble See this, for God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and the weak things to confound the strong. Christ is my wisdom. And Paul, who was brilliant, said, I count all my learning and all my knowledge and all my schooling and all my study by Gamaliel and all my Jewish heritage, I counted but dung compared to the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. I know the Christ. I know the secret dynamic that was hidden in God before the world was. I know the secret, the Son, the, the Christ himself hidden in the Father. I know the mystery that is the key to life. For in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Awesome. So in the flesh, we're drawn to this. Romans says... That Romans 7 says that we, that, that when the, Paul says when the law came, sin deceived him and then slew him or killed him. What he was saying there is that the power of sin in the flesh is drawn to these, this tree, these three things that Eve saw in the tree. And it's in the flesh. It's actually the power of sin in the flesh that makes us think this way. That, you know, doing is what God is after. Um, you hear people say all the time that, you know, God wants you to be, God, God calls you to serve. No, God didn't call you to serve primarily. God calls you primarily to receive 
his love. Not that we first loved him, but that he first loved us. God calls you to believe him. What is the work of God that we might do the work of God, they asked Jesus as he, as he was walking through the cities, the Pharisees. What is the work of God that we might do the work of God? And Jesus turned to them and said, this is the work of God. That you believe on him whom he has sent. See? So we, we, we're deceived by the power of sin in the flesh to want to focus on the doing. And, take, I mean, and, and don't misunderstand me, the doing will follow. But it'll be energized doing. It'll be fruit that remains. We are created in Christ Jesus unto good works that we merely should walk in them. They're inside of you already. The good works are in your DNA. You, who you are, your destiny is already in you as a new creation. You merely need to walk in who you are from a place of rest. And that is a nourishment. My meat and my drink, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me. My meat, my drink, my nourishment is to do the will of him who sent me. Well, we don't have that direct connection. We cannot say that my meat and my drink is to do the will of him who sent me. But we can say my meat, my drink is to believe on him who came to do the will of God. Because if I believe on him who came to do the will of God, then he lives in me and then he He, walking through me, says, my meat and my drink is to do the will of God who sent me. You see it? So there is a sense of nourishment, but it's His nourishment. It's a nourishment that comes from Him and not a self-righteous nourishment. It's a righteousness as a gift. It's a rest. So we simply believe on the one who can do, we cannot do. And then in Him, we find ourselves We can say the same thing that he said. Wow, to do the will of him who sent me is my meat and my drink. But it's really not me doing it. It's him. And that's why I'm feeling nourishment because it's him. Christ in me lives. It's not I, but Christ. So Christ living his life in me, I find I'm partaking, participating, enjoying in the nourishment of the Son of God every time I do. And that's fruit that remains. That's who I am. That's created in Christ Jesus unto good works that I merely should walk in them. Created in His image. Isn't this cool? It's a whole different way of thinking, of, of, of seeing. And then the, the, uh, um, the appearance thing is, is, it's all about Him seeing us as we are in Him, and us seeing ourselves as we are in Him. It's an invisible reality. As we behold Him, we see our true selves. And the wisdom is Christ Himself, the tree of life. Two ways of thinking, two different worlds. A self-righteousness that says, you can do this, you can pull this off, which is a lie. And that's why the power of sin that is in the flesh brings, leads to death when we try to do it ourselves. Whereas the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus in Romans 8 brings us to a new way of thinking. For the mindset on the flesh is death. When you say the mindset on the flesh, a mindset of flesh is that whole way of thinking. The mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset, the mindset of the spirit is life, peace. So we find ourselves living by his life, bearing fruit in a rest, knowing primarily the behind all of this is the great love of God. The great love of God. This is what 
God replayed again when he brought the law and he brought Christ himself, the true life. He replayed the whole thing in the garden. And he, he calls us to rest in this tree. And you see in the end in the book of Revelation, the tree of life reappearing with the river of life running through it. I love that scripture that says, there is a river that makes glad the city of God. There is a river that makes glad the city of God. You are the city of God. You have a river running through you. He who believes on me out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. He is the true tree of life. This is the reality. This is who you are. And you will bear much fruit. Fruit that remains to the glory of God. And no flesh can glory in his presence. And you will lead many to righteousness. Daniel says in the last days. You will lead many to righteousness. The gift of righteousness. The true righteousness. The righteousness which is by faith. You will shine as the stars forever, Daniel says. In the last days, men will understand. And you will lead many to this righteousness and shine as the stars forever. Because you'll lead them to him. We're in it right now. We're in it. It's an awakening happening worldwide of grace. I I texted a guy the other day. I said, watch this. April 13th. The year 2014, cover of Time Magazine, The Grace Awakening, subtitle, A New Breed of Believers Brings a Revolution of the Gospel to the Church. It's coming. And I say Time Magazine because that's what the world, that's the world's magazine, you know, like what, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make the world sit up and take notice. The Grace Awakening, A New Breed of Believers brings a revolution of the gospel to the church. It's coming. It's already here. Two trees, two worlds, two ways. It's becoming more and more clear. And as we approach the end, the scripture says that gross darkness shall cover the people, that it will become more and more clear. These two worlds, these two trees, these two ways, these two cities, Mystery Babylon and New Jerusalem. And... The glory of God will rest upon you. Arise and shine for your light has come. And the glory of God has risen upon you. Extreme contrast is coming. Law and grace. Death and life. Flesh and spirit. Old covenant, new covenant. A clarity. The body of Christ is going to say, why didn't we see this before? Self-evident, as we said the other day, then it becomes accepted as self-evident truth. Yes. Yeah, Russ. Is it safe to say then that just as God introduced again in the law the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that when the law had fulfilled itself and the tree of crucifixion reintroduced the tree of life? 
so that we see that in the death that the law brought, there was real life that was hidden. So to believe on the tree that was raised up at the end of the old covenant that began the new covenant was the reintroduction of the tree of life. Exactly. Absolutely. Christ himself being the tree of life. Yes. And the cross being a, a tree of cursing, the, you know, a curse yes. and of death. And uh, John the Baptist said, God, John said, God has laid the axe to the root of the tree. He has laid the axe to the root of the tree. He has totally wiped out the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the whole way of self-righteousness. He has raised the tree of life. But that was the wisdom That's it. of God. That was the wisdom of, That was the secret that was hidden. You see, because God's purpose was no man knew the secret. That's right. That's exactly right. See, the law was just added temporarily, the scripture says. It was added, and it was like a little parenthesis in history. It was added. It had a beginning, had an end. The real game, so to speak, was this thing about the life. John, First John, we beheld the life. The life was manifested. We handled and touched him. We ate with him. We talked to him. The life, the life, the life. So what is the life? It's Christ hidden in the Father. See, the, we said this before, but the great mystery, the great secret is not Christ in you, the hope of glory, as, as many teach. Christ in you is not the mystery. It's not, it's not the secret that was hidden in God. No, the scripture says Christ in you is the riches of the glory of the mystery. The riches of the glory of the mystery is now he's inside of you. What is the wealth of it, the value of it, the riches of the glory of the mystery is he's now inside of you. But what is the mystery itself? It is, as Colossians says, Christ himself is God's secret. He was hidden in God. The son who was hidden in God was manifested. The wheel within the wheel, the, the very essence of God, the word became flesh. The word within the word came, became flesh. He is, is the, the door and the avenue and the means by which all things are made. And nothing was made but through him. And everything was, existed was through him. And, and everything was raised by him. And everything's through him and for him. And it's the son of God. And then, so now that reality is now in you. For that Christ who is hidden in God has come and accomplished such a work that now the scripture says that now our life is hidden with Christ inside of God. It's awesome. This great circle that he was manifested in the fullness of time to show the two trees, to show the law and grace. And then those who believed, to, all, to as many as believed, he gave the right to become the children of God. And then he, was, he brought them inside himself and him inside them. For by one spirit we're baptized into him and he into us. And then he goes back and brings us with him so that our life is now hidden with Christ inside of God. Awesome. So we, we walk the planet as his children, as sons and daughters of God. And this is what the spirit has been given for to show us the deep things of God, Paul says. Not about sin in the flesh. That's ridiculous. That's not what it's all about. The flesh is gone. The flesh is judged. The flesh is over. It's not about that. That's the whole tree. That's the wrong tree. How did you know you were naked? Because of that tree. Who told you were naked? Because they did that tree. That's not, the, that's not the game. That's not it. That's not it. It's all about the Spirit showing us the deep things of God and who you are in God. Isn't that awesome? This is the truth that sets us free. Jesus said, if you keep following me, you'll know the truth. You'll know the real. And the truth will set you free. Awesome. So let's keep speaking the truth to each other. When we meet in fellowship, 
when we go to the movies together, when we go have dinner together, whatever, let's talk to each other the truth and encourage each other in the faith. Not just wait to hear a message that someone teaches, but in our fellowship with one another, speaking the truth one to another, and watch what happens. Watch what happens in our personal lives as we encourage each other to eat of the true tree, the tree of life, which is Christ. Awesome. Lord, thank you for your help. Thanks for helping me today. Thanks for helping me. Thanks for taking the pieces of bread and fish and multiply them that we might feed on you, Lord. That we might feed on you. We feed on you in our heart by faith. Awesome. Bless your people now, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. I pray that we would never forget the gift of righteousness that is ours, our treasure, which qualifies us for all the blessings of God. For we now sit with you in heavenly places. And all spiritual blessings are ours because we are in you because of the gift of righteousness, which will translate into actual help right here on earth. Ask that the Father may give what you ask for. Ask in my name that your joy might be full. Ask, ask. You are righteous because I made you righteous. Ask in my name and the Father will do it that your joy might be full. Amen.